been a great worship service, man. It's good to see you all here. Thanks for coming out and being a part of what God is doing around here. But it's been a great start. Um, we talked about burgers and dogs. Man, that's a good start. And uh, just good to have you all here. And I'll tell you, when, when Tex was getting baptized up there, I was sitting out there watching that, just realizing that, man, this has been the year that God has just grabbed hold of people out of the strangest circumstances and just brought them to himself. I, I think that's probably right at about 160 baptisms that God has brought here at Eastside this year so far. And we're just halfway through the year. And so it's really been cool to see what God is doing here. And uh, man, we're just happy that you're here. Thanks so much for coming out and being a part of what's happening here. Hey, I want you to check out this picture of this guy I brought. I think I brought him. I'm pretty sure I brought him. There he is. I didn't bring him because he's dead. But anyway, there's a, a picture of him. And some of y'all know who that is. That is Kirk Douglas. And between the 1940s and all up in, actually up into the 2000s, uh, Kirk Douglas was one of the most well-known actors in the United States. was incredible how well-known he was. Some of you younger people might recognize his son, uh, Michael, even more than that. And uh, the elder Douglas uh, starred in 90 films in America, and I think his son's right at about a 50 or so. So a well, well-known family. Now, when uh, the elder Douglas, Kirk Douglas, was alive, one of his favorite stories that he used to tell, and uh, he talked about a, a period of his life where he was really getting well-known in America. And uh, again, for you younger people, we're probably talking, you know, Denzel level, okay? Y'all know what I'm talking about? So everybody knew this guy. So uh, Mr. Douglas used to say that he loved the day that he was driving down an L.A. freeway, and uh, he's cruising down this freeway, and he looks over to the side, and there is this, his term was sailor boy hitchhiking. And Kirk Douglas immediately said that his mind went back to his days in the Navy because he served there too. And he thought to himself, I'm going to give us more a ride. And so he pulled over on the freeway and this uh, sailor kind of ran up there and, and Douglas was in a truck and he said the sailor threw his duffel bag in the truck and he jumped up in the cab and off they went uh, down the freeway. And he said the sailor guy jumps in and looks over and he said, over the next uh, several yards of driving, this guy just keeps doing double takes on who picked him up. And finally, the sailor said this, just blurted it out. Man, do you have any idea in the world who you are? And I have always loved that question. I think that's a fantastic question, one that we think is so important of a thing to answer that we want to spend the summer here at Eastside asking you that question. Do you have any idea in the world who you are? Do you know that? And what we're going to do over this summer here at Eastside is we're going to show you how Jesus answered that question, that he answered it with such a clarity that you'll find out as we go throughout this summer that you're going to understand the intensity of how Jesus thinks of you and the call that he's placed into your life. 
Now, we're going to find out our Lord giving us the answer to that question um, during his uh, storytelling hour. Jesus, as a teacher, told stories. I mean, that's what he did for a living, telling stories, a teacher. And we've learned to call those things parables. And as you know, if you were here last week, if you grab your Bible and you looked in the New Testament, we have 40 recorded parables from Jesus. 40 stories that he told. And, and I don't know how that wraps around your head a little bit, but for me, I, I just have just kind of softened my heart into that reality over these couple weeks that I've been working on this. The, the idea that we have from the lips of Jesus, 40 different stories that he told, and they have recorded them for us right here in this Bible. That just kind of mind boggles my heart to understand that we have at our access to that. Now, as many of you know, from, from last week, we talked about of the 40, there are 14 that I've asked your eyes to kind of zero in on because all 14 of these ones that I pulled out of the 40 are pulled out because when Jesus told these stories, he started these 14 with the word like. And the reason that we've pulled those 14 out is because that's what's different from them and all the other 40 is because Jesus began these stories with the same sentence, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, we're going to talk about in a minute, is like this. And what he was doing in those particular parables is what he was saying is this is who you are. This is who you are. And Jesus wanted it very clear that if you choose to follow him, that there is a model, there is, a, there is, a, there is a, an air about who you are and what you will be from that point on. And so Jesus took 14 different occasions to explain it, and he explained it with a story. And those stories, as you know, are called parables. Now, there are a few times, this is going to be a really helpful night that you're here, I promise you this, there are a few times where Jesus told two or three parables, and he linked them together because he was trying to make a point, and he used more than one story to make his point. And so there's times when you find that happen, and I mention that because you're going to find that happen in this message today. As we look through it this weekend, we're going to find out that he took two stories. They're called the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of yeast or leaven. And they're two different stories that he linked together, and you're going to find out uh, this evening why he linked those together. It's just kind of a fascinating thought. So with all that said, I want to jump into the actual stories themselves, and I want to read for you uh, these two stories, these two parables. They are among the shortest ones that he told. And so I'll read them. You can look at them on the screen as I do that and kind of catch the gist of these things. The first one starts like this. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field, and though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. That's the parable of the mustard seed. 
Now, right on the heels of that, he says this. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. And that's the parable of yeast. And so both of these two parables are kind of linked together by Jesus when he told them. Now, I want to ask you to do something with me, okay? I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to share something with you. And I'm, this is a little bit of a confession time. Uh, as your preacher, I want to get down a little bit here into the weeds of parables. And so I want you to put your thinking cap on here for a second. So those of you who had uh, six cheeseburgers, wake up, okay? And I want to get down into the weeds, and I want to show you some things about parables that these are not... These are not going to change your life or anything. You're not going to start weeping over any of this. This is just information. There are things that Christians just need to know about the Bible. And um, I, I, I want to do better with that. I think, I think I need to get a little bit better with bringing some of those things out from time to time. And so let me, let me share a few things about parables in general. These 40 stories that we have in our Bible that Jesus told. Here's one of the things I want you to know. That all of the 40 together are recorded for us by three guys. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And those three guys who would have heard Jesus tell the stories then wrote them down. And when you open your Bible, those three guys are the ones who told us those 40 stories. They wrote them. Now there are times... And again, this isn't going to change your life, but you're going to learn something here. There are times when only one of them wrote about a particular a parable. For example, maybe Matthew wrote about a parable, but Mark and Luke, they never even hinted at that story. And that happens a few times. There's a few parables that are unique only to Matthew. There's a lot of more parables, stories that are unique only to Luke. He's the only one that wrote that. Mark only has one story that he wrote unique that the other ones didn't. I think maybe Mark might have been lazy and just copied all his stuff from the other two. I don't know. But there are times when there are stories that are only told by one of the guys. But then there are other stories that are told by multiple guys. So maybe Matthew and Luke wrote about a story, but Mark didn't. And there are other times in which all three wrote the same story. Now, when that happens, because it happens in this message here, it is very interesting if you took a parable, a story that all three wrote, and you just looked at them side by side. This is what Matthew said. Here's how Mark wrote it. Here's how Luke wrote it. You will find that there are often variations. There are often minor variations in the story. And again, this isn't going to rock your world or anything, but it happens with our parables that we're looking at uh, today, the parable of the mustard seed and the yeast. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all wrote about them, but when Mark wrote, he only talked about the mustard seed. He didn't mention anything about the yeast. And so they're creating the scene. He's telling these stories. Matthew, Mark said he told two parables, and uh, Luke said he told two parables, and Mark said, I just heard one. So why did Mark only write one? That's a great question. And again, not going to change your life or anything. You're not going to be weeping and, and you know, give your life to Jesus over it. But why did Mark only write one and the other two wrote both of them? Why did that happen? Well, there's an answer to that. It's a very specific answer. You want to hear it? Anybody want to know the answer? Here's the answer. I don't know. 
and neither do you, okay? We just don't know some things because sometimes God did not reveal everything to us. But it is fascinating that all three guys told about Jesus in this moment, telling these parables, and Mark only told us half the story. Come on, dude, wake up, man, do the whole job. And he just did part of it. What is really interesting is when you dive in to the two parables that we looked at earlier and are reading about, Matthew and Mark both say that it happened when Jesus was around a great big crowd of people, and there were so many that he had to get in a boat and push away a little bit from the shore, and from the boat, he told these two parables. That's what Matthew and Mark said. Now, when Luke writes about it, Luke says, dude, they weren't even around water anywhere. They were at the temple, and Jesus was at the temple. He was at church when he told those two things. And so that poses a question. And once again, this isn't going to change your life or anything, but it's just interesting, good stuff to hear. Why is the difference there? Is Matthew and Mark, who said it was around a lake, are they not telling the truth? Did it really happen at church? Did Luke just kind of make it up and it, it didn't happen at church? Really, He just kind of flowered it up? No, no, dude, they were at church. They went on the lake. What, what's, what's the reason for that? Well, let me pose this. Maybe both are right. We tend to think that Jesus told his best stories more than once. I mean, have you ever heard a great story and, and it was just a fascinating story and you told it to somebody? Do you then say, well, I can never tell that to anybody ever again? No, Jesus told his best stories on multiple occasions. And so when you and I are diving into these two in this message, the reality is, is that uh, Jesus probably told these two stories on all kinds of different occasions whenever he had the chance to do it. This is that big of a deal to him. Now, let me show you one more detail about the, the parables, and then we're going to dive into these two here. Um, this is fascinating. When Matthew writes all of his parables, when he writes them, he starts them all this way. Let's put it up here so we can see it. And that is that the kingdom of heaven is like, and then the story happens. Now, when Mark and Luke write the stories, they can be the same stories, and they kind of change it. The kingdom of God is like. So what is it? Is it the kingdom of heaven is like this story, or the kingdom of God is like this story? And I just think that's stuff that's, that's, that's important, it's information that Christians who are serious about their faith will learn these things from the Bible and pay attention to these things. So what is it, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God? I would suggest for you that those are synonyms. They mean the same thing. And what they're generally trying to talk about is the realm of God, the aura of God. As we said the other day, this is what life is like when you're in his tribe, this is what it's like. And whether it's the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is irrelevant. Jesus is saying in 40 stories, this is who you are. And that's a beautiful, beautiful way to understand that. Now, as I said last week, I think that's important for you and I to kind of filter through a little bit because if you are a Christian, and, and there's a lot of people in this room that you're a Christian, this is your reminder of who he expects you to be. 
And every one of those 14 stories when he says, it's like this. This is what it's like to be in the kingdom. This is what it's like to be part of the tribe. And for those of us who walk with Jesus, these are great reminders and motivations because sometimes we kind of slip away from some of this stuff, as you're going to see as we dive into this. Now, if you're not a Christian and you're just checking this stuff out, as Neil said earlier, man, we are so happy you're here. We love that you're here. We built this place for you. But maybe you're not quite sure about this yet. Well, what you're going to find out is what you're going to get into. You're going to see the, the kind of the, 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 the small print of what is expected from somebody who becomes a part of Jesus and has him in their life. Now, with all those kind of interesting things about parables, hopefully I wasn't too boring for you because I think it's important for us to look at. Let's dive in to these dual stories, mustard seed and yeast, and what in the, what in the world do those stories mean? Now, as I suggested last week, we'll do this for you every week, is whatever parable we're working through, I suggest last week, I want you to think of this. They have one point. There's one thing they're trying to say. So these two come together. Jesus put them linked together. And this is what I believe the meaning of both those parables are trying to say. And I'll show you this. Life as a Christian is like a continual forward-moving journey from infancy to adulthood. That's what it's like. That when you become a Christian, you have entered into a journey. And your journey has a starting point, and it has an ending point when you get to heaven. And that whole time, there is a forward movement to become the spiritual adult that God has called you to be. I remember one time I was having breakfast with my dad. And dad was nearing, you know, kind of the... Uh, the, the latter part of his life where you're starting to realize I got less days ahead of me than I have behind me. And so we were talking together. And uh, kind of shakes me now because I'm thinking, dude, I'm there now. So I'm having this conversation with him. And he's talking to me about, he brings these things up. He had all these serious talks with me over breakfast. And he said, here's some things that, man, I got to make sure I get taken care of before I die. And he kind of had his bucket list. I remember it was something to do with money. I can't remember what it was, but a, a financial thing he wanted to deal with. And, and there was something at the house that he wanted to get something fixed. And I remember his words when he said this. He had six, seven things. And right in the middle of it, he said, and I, you know, I got to do the baptism thing. And then he went, went and I and I I said, hold on, what do you mean? I gotta do the baptism thing. And that was one of the best talks I ever had my dad about Jesus because I wanted him to know that the baptism thing, it wasn't just a little check mark, man. You take care of it, got that done, let's move on now. Don't have to worry about that anymore. And I said to him, Dad, no, this is a journey. This is a lifelong progressive move from where you start to where you end. And you're always, on. this isn't just a one-time thing, man. This is the beginning of a life that you will live. And Jesus told these two parables so that you and I would remember that. Now, I wanna take that just to that point, and I wanna jump into the actual parables, and I wanna start with the mustard seed. Now, this isn't hard to understand. This, you don't have to be a, you, you, you can be third grade to understand this. 
You got the mustard seed, which I understand is very, very little, very tiny, but all seeds are tiny, okay? You got this tiny seed, you put it in the ground, and eventually that little seed grows up into a really large plant called the mustard plant. And it's kind of a familiar plant in that part of the world. I was looking at some pictures of some friends of mine who are in the Middle East right now, and they were talking about, as they go through the Holy Land, they took a picture while they were around some, um, some mustard plants, and they showed it, and the plants were bigger than they were. And so Jesus says, in a way that everybody kind of understands this, that the seed's real little, but then it becomes really, really big. And what he's trying to say with that parable is he's trying to teach this lesson, and I want you to look at it. He's talking about the outward numerical growth of the kingdom, that the kingdom of God is going to grow numerically in a crazy way. And that turned out to be very, very true, because when Jesus left to go back to heaven, after three years, dying on a cross, raising from the dead, he's got 120 people. We have more in this room than Jesus got in three years of ministry, and he rose from the dead. We feed burgers, and the whole town shows up. He, he rose from the dead and ended up with 120 people. And now 2,000 years later, there have literally been billions and billions and billions of people who followed Jesus in their life from virtually every corner of the globe. There is not one movement, religious or secular, that has even come close to the global impact that Christianity's had. Not even close. And that's what Jesus is saying here, that the kingdom of God is going to start small but it is gonna blow up numerically like something you have never, ever, ever seen. And he told the parable of the mustard seed to point that out. Now, we had something happen this week that kind of reminded me of that. We got 10 people from our church who are in Romania right now. And they're on a mission trip from our church. They're representing you. And there's a group of people in Romania who stand for Christ and they work with kids and they have orphanages and they do great work and we sent 10 people over there, check on them, see what they need, how they're doing. And so they're in Romania right now and yesterday afternoon, it was 7.30 p.m. in Romania, it was about 1.30 here, and uh, one of the things they knew is in their little church they had, they had a little guitar thing that this guy played the guitar, the, their, their kind of leader in this little small church, but he needed a guitar pedal. And I don't know if you know anything about guitar pedals, those suckers are expensive, man. I know I had kids play guitar. And so they just don't have the ability to, you know, get that stuff. And so we heard about it, and we took a doggone guitar pedal over there for him. You bought them a guitar pedal. And so we gave it to them, and they plugged it in about 7.30 last night, about 24 hours from right now. And this little kid is on the, I don't know if he's a kid, but a young man. He's got this guitar pedal, and he's learned to, learned to play it. And uh, somebody in that room, I'm not even sure who did it, FaceTimed our worship pastor, Aquila. It's 1.30 in the afternoon. He's right back here in his office. He gets a FaceTime, and it's in Romania. And they said, hey, the guitar pedal has made it way here, and we wanted you to be able to see, Aquila, this guy 
this guy playing it. And this kid's playing his guitar with this, uh, this pedal. And Aquila asked him, what, what are you playing? And in broken English, he said, the battle belongs to the Lord. And Aquila said to him, hey, we play that song here too. He said, hang on. He went and got his guitar. And he yelled at our assistant worship pastor right down the hall, Alex. Hey, Alex, get your cigar. And Alex, come down to your guitar. And those three guys grabbed their guitars, and they played music, and they sang the battle belongs to the Lord while being 5,300 miles apart. And that is the mustard seed. That's the mustard seed. That it's going to become so big and so amazing that there's going to be gobs and gobs and gobs and gobs of people come into the kingdom of God. It's a mustard seed kingdom. It's a mustard seed kingdom. And then Jesus ends that and he moves into this story about yeast. And again, this is not difficult to understand. Some of you, um, I don't want to be sexist about it, but some of you ladies may have had a time in your life where you made bread. Okay, here's how I make bread. I show up at Kroger's and say, where's the bread aisle, okay? Back in the day, you made it. And so you got this dough, and you throw in some yeast or some leaven, and you work it in there, and that helps the dough to rise into, y'all know that. And so Jesus is telling this story, and he's saying when you're working the yeast into the dough, as you keep working it, it gets through every nick and cranny of the dough so that the dough is completely infiltrated with the yeast, and what Jesus is saying here is he's talking about the inward spiritual growth of the kingdom. That the mustard seed is this idea that it's going to numerically grow enormously. There's going to be billions and billions of people in the kingdom of God. And then it talks about the yeast that once you get into the kingdom of God, watch this, now it is your responsibility internally for the rest of your life to be able to figure out how the character and the goodness and the power and the truth of God can overtake every single aspect of your life. That's why my dad was wrong. I want to do the baptism thing, kind of get that out of the way. No, the baptism thing starts the process. The mustard seed gets me into the game. The yeast is where I become like him. That is the point. That is the point of the parables. That is why Jesus put them together in that type of a framework. There used to be an old legend story that uh, we have pretty much now proved to be untrue. But it went out for a long time in a long different uh, ways that a lot of people thought it was true. And it was about how da Vinci painted uh, The Last Supper. And the story, the legend, which again now we understand not to be true, is that it took him seven years to paint that. And the reason it took him seven years is because he was so detailed on every single thing that he did. And of the 13 characters on the canvas, da Vinci wanted to find models somewhere in Rome that would depict who he thought this character would look like. And then he would paint it. He started with Jesus. He said, I want us to find the most pure-looking man in the whole city. I want somebody young, I want somebody with a square jaw, I want somebody with no blemish on the face. And they found this model, and, and da Vinci paints him, and Jesus was the first person on that canvas. And then for the next 12 guys, 
He would say, I, I think Peter was probably this kind of a guy. Go find somebody. And he painted him. And he painted all of them until near the end of the seventh. And the last one to paint was Judas Iscariot, the rebel, the traitor. And Da Vinci's orders were find the vilest, most offensive person you could ever find. And they found some guy in a Roman dungeoned prison. Broken down, nasty, horrible. They bring him in. Da Vinci says, that's him. He paints him as the last character on the painting of Judas Iscariot. And when he was done, at the end of the seven years, the model from the dungeon said to him, Da Vinci, do you know me? And Da Vinci said, I've never seen you until the day they brought you in here. And he said, oh, Da Vinci, I was the guy you painted seven years ago for Jesus. And this is what happens when somebody walks away from God. Now that sounds like an incredible story. The problem is it's not true. There's no record of all, any way whatsoever that it took seven years or Da Vinci did any of this. But let's say it was true. Let's say it was true. And let's say that it, that it fit into the symmetry of these two parables that Jesus taught. I would suggest for you that the story would be reversed. That he would start with Judas. And then over time, as Judas became a part of the kingdom of God, he becomes more and more like the appearance of Jesus. And that's why these parables are written. That's why Jesus put them together. He was saying, this is the plan of God. This is how we'll do it. This is who you are. This is how you'll live. You first get into the kingdom. And then you become like the one who owns the kingdom for the journey of your life. That is presented for us in a, in a beautiful way, I think, when you read through Scripture, that we are, we are posed in the Bible with this dual understanding of what God wants in the church and how he wants it to function. And I want to show you these things real quick, and it'll, it, it'll be kind of a light bulb for you, is the parable, the, the, the mustard seed and the yeast comes down to this that the Bible talks about the purpose of God's church is salvation and sanctification. And I know those are churchy words, but stay with me. That salvation happens when you find out what Jesus has done for you. That he's paid the penalty for your sins and so that you can be purified in his eyes and you can be in heaven someday and you are saved from that when you receive that grace into your heart and you're buried in Christian baptism like our new brother Tex did today. Tex experienced salvation. But the game doesn't stop there because the journey continues and now sanctification is the process of becoming more and more and more like who he wants you to be. It's a journey that never ends. It starts when we give our life to Christ, it ends when we get to heaven, but we're constantly on that, 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 that framework, that line. I think there are less technical words that help brains like mine understand it a little bit. I, I hear people use these two words a lot. They talk about more and better. 
that the purpose of the church is more and it's better. Here's what more means. Man, reach as many people as we can. This is the parable of the mustard seed. Get as many as we can, as many as we can. How many more Christians do we want here? One more, one more, one more. And so more, but more doesn't end it because then we've gotta get better. We gotta become more of what he wants us to be. We gotta become better in our lives of walking with him. I've written down in my personal notes a number of times a way to say this that clarifies it for me because I, I got a mustard seed sized brain, okay? I got a little pea brain and sometimes things help me if I just put them in my own words. And here's how I've always understood the purpose of the church, why we're here. I put it in these words, get in and grow up. Get in means get in the game, man. Give your life to Christ. I'm in the tribe. I'm a part of the movement. I'm here. I got in. Well, the game ain't over. Now you got to grow up. Now you got to become who he wants you to be. You know any Christians haven't grown up yet? Anybody? Huh? Okay. It's because getting in isn't the whole game. It's part of it, but it's not the whole game. It's get in and grow up. And I want to suggest for you that that's what the parables are about. Getting in. The parable of mustard seed, more and more and more and more. And growing up is the parable of the yeast, letting the kingdom, letting the will of God infiltrate every aspect of my life. And that's why he put these two parables together. Now, I want to show you something real quick. I'm going to make a little challenge for you before we walk out of here. But I want to show you something. When you understand this right here, that's why I think tonight was so important that you're here and you heard this because now you understand you can open up the Bible and you can see that the Bible is constantly talking about one of those things. It's either talking about you getting into the kingdom of God and becoming a believer or it's talking about you growing up and becoming what he wants you to be, infancy to adulthood. And every time you open the Bible, you can see that. And I'm going to show you some examples of that. I just picked some random scriptures, and I want to read them for you. I'll show them up here. And it's either going to be talking about get in and grow up, get in or grow up. So when I read them, you think about that, okay? I'm going to read a scripture and ask yourself, is that talking about getting in or is that talking about growing up? Let me give you an example. Let's look at Mark 16, verses 15, 16. Words of Jesus. He said this. Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Is he talking about getting in or growing up? What do you think? Getting in, okay? And so now because you understand those dynamics, mustard, seed, and yeast, you can now read your Bible and know what is God talking about, those two fold purposes of the church. Let me, let me show you another one. Let's go to another one, Romans eight twenty nine. For those God foreknew... He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. And that's where we get our mission statement here at Eastside. That is our mission. We conform lives to the likeness of Jesus. So when you read that, is that talking about getting in or is it talking about growing up? What is it? Growing up. And now you can do that. You can open up your Bible and you can ask yourself, what's God trying to tell me on both of these purposes here? Let me show you a couple more real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at this one. 
We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. What is it? Get in, grow up. Get in, okay? Get in, man. Get things right with God. Ephesians 4. Let's read this. This will be trickier, okay? Tricky, okay? Stay with me. To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Kind of a hint there, okay? Go to the next one. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure the fullness of Christ. What in the world is that talking about? Get in, grow up. What is it? Grow up. You're awesome. You're learning that. It's so beautiful. Everything Jesus said, he said it comes down to these parables. It's the mustard seed. Get in the kingdom of God, more and more people. And then it's the leaven, the yeast. Let it take over every aspect of your life. Learn to do that. Have a passion about that. Let me show you one trick one. Matthew 28. We're almost done. Stay with me. Matthew 28. Jesus said, therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Is that, is that get in or is that grow up? What is it? Both. It took our, our pastor in the front row to figure that out. It's exactly right. It's both. It's I'm going to get in and I'm going to grow up. And so you're starting to see why Jesus put these parables together? Because he said, don't miss this. This is who you are. This is you. This is what it's like to be here. And so the challenge of it, gang, the challenge of it is every person in this room, every one of us, God has placed in front of you one of these steps right now. And the beginning step is to get in. It's to be part of the growth of the mustard seed. It's to say that the only hope I have ever to get to heaven is what Jesus did for me on the cross. And I am so overwhelmed with gratitude that he would love me like that that I want to live my life for his glory and I want to be buried in the waters of Christian baptism and come flying out of that water as a new life and a new hope and a new purpose. And there are people in this room right now that God has placed that right in front of you. That's your next move. God is waiting on you to get in the game. And I just want to say this. That if that's who you are, and you need to do something about that, you come find me when this service is over with in a few minutes. You come find Neil, and it is time to be part of the mustard seed. Now, some of y'all say, dude, I'd have been there. I'd have been there. And the thing that God places in your life is a passion. It is time to grow up. As Theo said in our service earlier, it's time for every aspect of my life to come under obedience to him. It's time for me to be an adult. See, the reality is sometimes, gang, we're baby Christians. 
The Bible even says there's times when you're still sucking on milk and you ought to be eating meat right now because you ought to be an adult. And so if you're in the kingdom, my challenge to you is what's the next part of your journey to grow up? Where are you not an adult yet in your faith? And that's your call until the day that you die. I think what we're talking about with the parable of the yeast and the leaven is a passion to grow up. Not okay, I'll do it because I've got to do it. A passion that I want to become everything he wants me to be. I want to be an adult in my faith. One of the greatest joys of my life at the point that I'm at right now is watching my grandchildren slowly move from infancy to adulthood, physically and, 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 and intellectually as they learn. We love watching our grandchildren who are still very, very young. We love watching them grow up. And one of the things that I've noticed with little kids, and I, I notice it with them probably because I pay attention more to them because they're mine, is they have a passion to grow up. They have a passion to journey into higher things. I've got a four-year-old granddaughter who thinks she's 44. Anybody got anybody like that in your life? And she is very exuberant, and she, she just has this passion that I want to be, you know, I want to be more than just four. She came in her house uh, recently, and uh, one of her cousins was there, whom she'd not seen in months, okay? And he's just a couple years older than her, and he's in the house, and she walks in. And I don't know, what do you do when you walk into a house and somebody you know, and you've not seen them for maybe four months? What do you do? You go, oh, man, how you doing? It's great to see you. So happy kids just bypass all that stuff, okay? And so she walks in. These two cousins have not seen each other for a few months. One's four, one is about seven. And the seven-year-old sees her, and he immediately jumps on his head and stands on his head. That's his greeting to her. And he says, can you do this? That was the greeting. And my four-year-old, who wants to be 44, here's what she did. And I can't really act like a female 44, but I'm going to come close, okay? Or four-year-old. She looked at him, and she put her hand on her hip like this. And if you know my granddaughter, you can see what I'm saying. And she took her hand like this, and she said this to him. No, that would not be ladylike, and I'm a lady, and I have a dress on, so no. And she walked over to the couch, and she sat on the couch, and she crossed her legs and just sat like that, okay? Four, four years old, and she thinks she's 44. And I, I love the passion to grow. I love that, to see that in her. My oldest grandson, I started something with him. I didn't do it with the other kids. I don't know why, but maybe because he was the first one. So I've, I've got this support beam in my basement. And um, when he was really, really little... Um, I stood him up there and I marked, you know, how tall he was. And then because they leave, live away, every time they would be back home, I'd take him down there and stand him up and I'd mark it and we can watch how he's grown. And I show him that. And last Christmas, he, he got up there and he's, he's eight now. And so um, I marked it and I'm starting to mark it and I can tell that he wants to be just as tall as he can be. And he's up there and he's putting his chin 
you know, like this, and I keep pushing it. He's doing like this because he went to ha. And finally, I'm about to mark it. I'm thinking, man, you've really grown. I look down. He's on his tippy toes, his eyes, because he has a burning to grow. And I think that's the parable of leaven. That's the parable of the yeast. I want him to be Lord of every single thing in my life. Take it over. Take it all over. Work through every part of it. So where are you? Where are you at? Is the parable of the mustard seed written to you because it's time for you to get in the game? Or is the parable of leaven and yeast written to you because it's time to grow up? Father, thank you for your stories. And thank you for this beautiful journey that will never end until we're home with you. Thank you that you're patient for those who contemplate getting in the game. Thank you that you're graceful for those who grow up a little bit and then fall back down and grow up and fall back down. But may we all, may we all, Join the journey in your tribe.